yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Leia Healthcare. Looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry. Hello and welcome to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Folks, for this week's show, it's one of the questions I get asked a huge amount when I do my Q&As on Instagram. It's all about belly fat and fat loss and how to do it. We put two or three episodes together, but we thought for today's show, I bring another personal trainer, sports nutritionist, strength and conditioning coach and podcast host Brian Keane on to give us his side of fat loss. How do you do it? What his tips are? And as ever, I will pick his brains for all the tips and content that you need to know over the course of the next 25 minutes or so. Brian Keane, welcome to Real Health. How are you? I am fantastic, Carl. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm a big fan of the podcast. I've, there's so many people that listen to mine that I send over to yours to kind of reaffirm a lot of the messages that we promote in fitness. Um, so I'm really looking forward to chatting. Every guest I have on over the course of the last 10, 12 weeks, I ask how they are, how they've handled the uncertainty of the last 12 weeks. How have things been with you? Uh, surprisingly good. Like I, I have to say, like I've had a very productive few months um, in terms of you know, life gives you lemons, you have to make lemonade. And I've been very good at my training. I've been very good with, you know, I'm a few months ahead of schedule on a new book that I'm writing. Um, so I've just been putting kind of full on productivity mode over the last three months and trying to drown out what's going on in the world. Um, so as things start to come back to normal, it's nice that I can look back and go, yeah, I'm a little bit further ahead than I was three months ago. So uh, yeah, it's been good. How did you get into the area of of health, of wellness, of PT, online PT, and all the other kind of online stuff that you've done. How did you get into that? Was it something you always wanted to do? Um, it was and it wasn't. Fitness has always been my passion, um, but I was actually a primary school teacher. So my job, um, my quote unquote, what I call a real job, because what I do now, I can't really call a real job. I would do everything I do now for free. Um, and I'm in a very fortunate position that I get paid for it. But I was a primary school teacher and fitness was always my passion. So it, I never really considered it as a career until I was working for full time as a primary school teacher and I remember getting my first ever job and it was in London in a nice little school in West London and I walked in first day on the job and I'm like this isn't what I want to do. I'm like I, I've literally been climbing this ladder and it's up against the wrong wall and I remember coming home that Christmas after my first few months in employment and talking to my mum and she asked me a question that I put to a million people since and she goes what would you do for free? And I was like, well, I would work in a gym for free. I was like, I would work in fitness for free. So over the space of the last few years, I went and did my personal training certificate. Um, and then it went kind of narrowed into the strength and conditioning market, sports nutrition, um, and got all my badges for that. And then over the last few years, I've gone from one-to-one -one PT working in Galway to, you know, working and serving people online now, which is what I primarily do. Um, so it's been a bit of a whirlwind transition over the last eight years or so, um, but I wouldn't change a thing with it. Okay, let's kick it off. So fat loss, uh, belly fat loss, and, and you know, kind of stomach area, people are always asking me for how to do it. Um, let's kick, you know, look for five or six tips around that maybe and you know, look at each one and chat through them. What is the best way for people to lose fat? So the best way for people to lose fat, and the only 
trial and tested advice that I can ever offer people that I'm like, if you do this, it will work for 99 out of 100 people, assuming there's no genetic disorder. And that is a calorie deficit. So at the bottom of the pyramid of prioritization, where there's different diets and there's different fads with training or whatever it is, a calorie deficit is the bread and butter scientific approach for losing body fat, for reducing body fat. And for anyone that's unfamiliar with that, all a calorie deficit is eating the amount of calories that is below your maintenance. So for example, if you have a maintenance amount of calories of 2000 calories per day, all other things considered for the example, let's say that anything below that is considered a calorie deficit. Anything above 2000 calories is considered a calorie surplus. So in order to get your body into that calorie deficit, you just need to eat or consume less calories than your maintenance or you can get it from exercise there's lots of different ways to do it and i recommend a, a little bit of a combination of both keep your calories a little bit higher and get it from exercise you know i know you're a big fan of a you know a similar message you know and i the bread and butter of everything is going to be number one tip is track your calories and get into a deficit now i'm not saying to be rigid with my fitness pal or an app where you're tracking every food that's also not a super healthy approach but having an idea of how many of your calories you're consuming is a good starting like the analogy I would use is if you were broke and had no money in your bank, I'm like, it makes sense to check your bank statements and it makes sense to see, you know, how you're doing with your spending. And I think it's the equivalent for weight loss or fat loss when people want to reduce their fat. I'm like, it's not that you have to do it, but if you're looking to lose weight, it's definitely going to help you. It's the same as you don't have to check your bank statement every week or every month, but it certainly helps if you're trying to save a little bit of money. For people who want to track their fat loss, what are the best ways for them to do? What ways do you recommend? So I'm going to start with my least favorite way, um, which for me is a weighing scale. So I'm not a big fan of weighing scales. Now, they definitely have a time and a place and they're a tool. They're a useful tool for people. And I think if you're overweight or very overweight or obese to begin with, they're a really, really good starting point. They'll, you can step on them and they're going to give you instant feedback on how you're doing in terms of weight. Um, and also, if you're overweight or obese, it doesn't really make sense to use body fat calipers or some of the other techniques that I'm going to share now because a scale is just easier. It gives you instant feedback on if you're reducing weight each week. But for a lot of people, I know a lot of people range that listen to this podcast. I'm one of those people, Carl, but I know a lot of people that listen are in that bracket where they range from overweight, obese to beginner to intermediate trainers. And if you're not in that category of overweight or obese, you should be tracking your body fat and not tracking your weight and understanding that they're two different things. Losing weight is reducing the numbers on a scale. Losing body fat is reducing the amount of fat on your body. They're not to be confused. They're two different things completely. So what I would advise for tracking body fat, my favorite methods, obviously you can kind of start at the top, but I've got personal preferences that I'll touch on. Like a DEXA scanner, it's going to be probably the gold standard, but it's not very um, accessible for most people. You have to go into a lab. It's quite expensive to do, but it's pretty accurate. The next one is body fat calipers, which again is quite good, but unless you're a personal trainer or working with somebody, it's quite difficult to do it yourself if you don't know how to take the measurements correctly. So I'm also not a massive fan of that unless you're getting it done by a nutritionist or a personal trainer or a coach. My favorite methods for tracking body fat are one, photos and how you look, and two, your clothes and how they fit, because that's going to show you how your body fat is reducing. So if you're wearing um, you know, a, a certain dress size and you go from a size 16 to a size 14, you've clearly reduced body fat if you're dropping dress sizes. If your pants have gone from 32 to 30 or 36 to 32, you've clearly dropped body fat around your waist. So using your clothes as a feedback, like one of the things I tell people is when they get a 
a, a little bit obsessed or addicted with the scales. I'm like, you don't see 80 kilos any dress you buy. I was like, you see the size. You don't go in and see a t-shirt and says, you can wear this if you're 60 kilos. It doesn't say that. It says the size. So you're using your clothes and then using photos. And the reason I like photos so much is because you can't really, you can see where the progress is coming and you can have visual representation of how you were looking several weeks before because what happens, and I'm sure, you know, Carl, I'm definitely a victim of this. Like we don't see our own progress. Like day to day, you don't see it. It's like your hair growing. You know, your hair grows significantly longer every day, but you don't see it. And your body fat reducing is exactly the same. So tracking it, what I generally recommend people do is take a designated time every week. So, you know, say a Friday morning, first thing, under the same conditions in the same room as possible under the same lighting before you've eaten or drank everything you know one from the front one from the side one from the back and do that every single Friday and then you've got those photos to look back on so a combination of that and your clothes are my personal favorite ways they're not like the most scientifically backed ways to to track it as I mentioned there's other methods but they're my two personal favorites Okay, so find a way to track it. That's important. The, 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 you know, that constant measurement. And like you said there, the key thing is same time, same day, once a week. And don't, tr- you know, don't trick yourself because you're only fooling yourself if you do. People do that all the time. Uh, and then start by looking for the calorie deficit, tracking your calories. Don't get obsessive with it. A food diary written down will do just as well generally as, you know, as MyFitnessPal, depending on how you want to do it. Okay, cool. And where do we take it from there? So after that, once you've kind of, I always think of it like a pyramid, you know, and the bottom of that pyramid of prioritization is always going to be your calorie deficit. As I said, everything else then is really about what works best for the individual. Like people will ask, and Carl, I know you get this question when I check out your Q and A's, like people will ask, you know, do I need to exercise to lose body fat? I'm like, no, but it helps. You know, people will ask, do I need to take this supplement to lose body fat? I'm like, no, but it helps. So there's different things that are going to support fat loss, but you don't necessarily have to do them. It really depends on what you can stick to and what you can adhere to. At the end of the day, the best nutritional plan is one that fits into your lifestyle and schedule, includes foods that you enjoy, and then is in alignment with your goals, which is fat loss in this case. And it doesn't matter how you do that. Like I tell people, if that's through a, a normal clean eating plan, then that's what you do. If that's through a flexible dieting approach, then that's what you do. If that's through you know an extreme method like a keto diet, which I'm not a fan of for fat loss, like don't do the most restrictive diet of all time for fat loss. But if that's what works for you and that's what you enjoy doing, that will work provided that you're in a calorie deficit. And I think it's so important that understanding that whatever you do on top of that is all about what you can stick to. And one of the things, and you've seen this, Carol, over the years, adherence is number one. Like I will take a diet that somebody can stick to that may not be the best, you know, if you're, and define best, if you know, as opposed to like chicken and broccoli for six meals a day, you know, um, which will definitely help if it brings you into a deficit, just good luck sticking to that um, because it's a very, very hard diet to adhere to. But what happens is realize that the one you can stick to is always going to be the best over the long term. And also take a little bit of a longer term approach. Like life life isn't about being on one big diet. Like that's what I love about your message because you promote this heavily. Like life isn't about being on a diet all the time. And another piece of advice that I offer people on my content or on my podcast is like, if you've been dieting for half your adult life, I'm like, you're doing something wrong. I'm like, there's a feedback there that what you've been doing hasn't been working. You know, I'll never forget, Carol. I I had a girl working with me once when I was one-to-one as a personal trainer. She was about 20 pounds overweight. And she came to me and she was like, I need to lose 20 pounds. 
I'm like, okay, fair enough. I was like, let, let's, let, that's our target. Let's do it. I was like, when do you want to do it? She goes, well, I have a wedding in three weeks. I'm like, all right. <laughs> um, okay. So firstly, I let her kind of continue with her story. And she told me, I was like, look, realistically, you're not going to lose 20 pounds in three weeks. I'm like, just the, we need to align those expectations on the front end. And understanding first and foremost, she was like, well, I could just go on a crash diet. You know, I could use, I won't mention the companies um, and I'd probably lose 10 or 12 pounds. I'm like, yeah, but then you'd be back to me in three or four weeks and we'd be starting this process again. So I remember having that conversation with her and it always makes me think of taking a longer term view that if you can make your nutrition and your diet, and the reason I emphasize that so much and I'll get on to training is because it's such a huge element of it. But if you can make it part of your life and you can get your nutrition to the point where you don't feel like you're on a diet, I'm like, that's when you're going to win long-term. And you know, you promote this message, healthy eating, clean foods, like that, you know, I've listened to the podcast with Orla Welch, making good food choices, like that's number one. And if you're able to stick to that over the long term, you're going to lose body fat. You're not going to be able to spot reduce. Another misconception people have is, you know, I've got, um, I've got a little bit of tummy fat here, or I've got my mum tum, or, you know, whatever it is. I'm like, well, you can't spot reduce. I'm like, that's not how body fat works. How body fat reduction works is your body takes it from different areas, and then it will eventually go into your stubborn area. Like people will say, I can't lose, you know, my stubborn body fat. I'm like, well, it's called stubborn body fat because it's the last place to go. I was like, by definition, that's how you explain it. So that means, and the feedback I give people is if you're in a deficit or you're on a nutritional plan and your body fat is reducing everywhere else, your arms, your back, your legs, I'm like, it's only a matter of time before you start to take it from your stomach as well. Now, also contrary to that, if you're not reducing body fat everywhere else, it's feedback that something isn't right, that you need to tweak something, you need to change something. You might need to track calories a little bit better or make some different food choices, but you have feedback. And after that, your training. You know, if you want to include some form of training in, by all means, do it. You don't have to. A lot of people will get great results fat loss by just moving more, you know, hitting that the 10,000 calorie step or 10,000 step count. You know, if you've got a Fitbit or you've got a Garmin or you've got an app on your phone and just track your steps and try and hit those eight to 10,000 steps every day, like that can be enough for a lot of people. And then after that, it's about, do you want to train in the gym? Do you want to play with kettlebells or use kettlebells as your training? Do you want to use a bodyweight program? Do you want to run? Do you want to cycle? Find something you enjoy. Like, and I would take a kind of scientific experiment with lots of different training mythologies. Like, do you love boxercise? You know, if you love boxercise and you hate lifting weights, I would argue you should probably do more of the boxercise, you know, because that's what you enjoy. That's what you can stick to long-term. And that's probably what's going to help you with your fat loss over, you know, a 12-week period, three-month period, um, six-month period, and however long the fat loss is the goal. And do you have any takes on that? We get asked that a huge amount in terms of resistance versus a cardio for fat loss in, in general, being one being better than the other or a combination of both. My answer would always be the same as your own generally, which is whatever one you enjoy the yeah. most. But you know, we'll, we'll take that on a bit further in terms of getting that those resistance sessions done, why it's important to lift some kind of weight, be it body weight, be it a kettlebell or a dumbbell or a barbell or whatever, because you know we need to keep some muscle on our body. And as we lose fat mass, you've got to track your muscle mass to make sure you're not losing any muscle. The thing is, I can argue both sides on this. Like the scientifically researched way that supports is a combination of both. Like cardio versus weights is the question. And people are like, if I want to lose body fat, should I do cardio or should I do weights? And the answer is smack bang in the middle because they work in different ways. What resistance training does, either body weight or weight training or kettlebells, is you tear more fibers down during those workouts, which means that your metabolism has to fire in order to repair. So the food that you eat elevates that metabolism. So people will hear, you know, weight training 
elevates metabolism. And it does. That's what happens. It gives your body a job. So that food that you're eating in order to repair from that workout. But what the mistake people make is you don't burn as many calories per hour lifting weights as you would say on a treadmill or on a bike. But what happens on a treadmill or a bike, you burn more calories during the session, but you're not necessarily burning more calories while you rest. So the combination, so what I would always say to people, I'm like, if you really want the best with body composition, as you said, as you reduce your fat mass, you want to increase your lean muscle tissue. And like, that doesn't mean bulk up. Lean, lean Muscle tissue is really lean, you know? So it, for anyone listening to this, don't think that means bulk up. It doesn't. It means that toning up is lean muscle tissue. It's just another word for it. But understand that different things work, but the best is always going to be either scientifically backed, you do a combination of both. You do a 30, 40 minute resistance training three times a week and you do two cardio sessions. But alternatively, as you mentioned, I know you promote it massively on the podcast and on your channels. What you can stick to is always going to work in the long term. Like unless realistically you want to step on stage in a bodybuilding show or you want to run a marathon or you want to do a triathlon where if you want to do bodybuilding, you should probably lift weights. If you want to run a marathon, you should run. If you want to do a triathlon, you should swim, cycle and run. But if you're just looking to lose body fat, the thing you can stick to over the long term and enjoy is probably going to be the thing that works best for you. You're listening to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. And let's talk about, I suppose, other lifestyle factors uh, in terms of, you know, in terms of sleep, in terms of movement, in terms of, you know, being at a desk all day versus standing a little bit more and work, maybe, you know, swapping the stairs out. All those kind of 1% um, improvements add up over the course of time. Yeah, I love that. Like, I, I think focusing on low-hanging fruit and small wins is probably one of the most underutilized things in fitness. Like, you know, a few months ago, I made the switch from a sit-down desk to a standing desk, you know, which is a small change. But, you know, over the course of three or four hours every day, that means you're standing more. So that's one option for people. Another one, as you said, is just switching out the elevator, switching out the lift and taking the stairs. Another one is when you go to, you know, Tesco or Dunn's or wherever you're going for food, park further away and walk so that you're getting a higher step count in. So all of those things add up over time. And I think that's a good way to look at it. And when it comes to things like sleep, then this is something I've changed my mind about in recent years, Carl, because I always had the order of priority, nutrition, training, sleep, in that order for years. And I've since bumped sleep above training but now it's nearly on par with nutrition and diet because it's such a, an important element. You know, there's, you know, between studies and anecdotal evidence of people making poor food choices after a poor night's sleep, not recovering from workouts, which, you know, means that you're not going to be able to focus on your niche, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, that the moving around more, like you're not going to move as more uh, or move as much throughout the day. And I think prioritizing your sleep, it's the same as everything else. A lot of people, myself included for years, Carol, I am in this club, took sleep kind of, sleep was just the thing that happened. Like training was structured. I'm like, I know what I'm doing in my training. My diet was right. I know what I'm eating. And then sleep was just, well, that's the thing I do at nighttime as opposed to have, making it a priority. So what I generally tell people, if, you're, if you fall on the spectrum where you're a good sleeper or you don't need to worry about it, you just, your head hits the pillow, you get eight hours every night and you are golden. I'm like, it's not for you. But for everyone that falls outside of that, you know, have a sleep strategy, you know, block out your blue light before bed. If you need to do that, you know, the screen time on your phone um, have blackout curtains. If you need to, to black out, so there's no um, lights in your room, take the electronics out of your room so that you're not getting your TV screen and that red light just staring at you when you're trying to sleep, you know, have some form of nightly routine that tells your brain it's sleep time. Now, you know, this is what we're doing. So I think, 
taking that approach alongside what you mentioned, all those small little wins, all of that adds up and mix that with nutrition, mix that with training, and you've got a perfect recipe for fat loss. See, Brian, what's happening now, Brian, is you're getting old. Uh, you're, you're, <laughs> as you get older, and I'm now 38, sleep becomes more and more important. Oh, and I think so the true. older you get, the higher it goes up, the hierarchy of health. It becomes like the big thing, you know. <laughs> so true. And, and uh, yeah, and we've got a 17-month-old who's only for the first time ever starting to sleep through the night. The last three weeks, we've had actual sleep. And we're knackered because we're not used to sleeping as much as we are. So uh, it's, a, it's all a bit mad, but however. I remember those days. It gets better, I swear. I'm like, it's as if someone flicks a switch from 18 months. You know, I remember those first, I can't remember the first year and a half of my daughter's life because I was so sleep deprived. Um, but it gets better. So I'm delighted to hear that you're over that hump. <laughs> so we chatted fat loss. Let's chat general health. Give us just to finish your final kind of five tips around optimum health for people across the board. What are your top five things that you recommend for people? I think mental health plays a massive role. Um, and I think one of the things that I didn't, differentiate for a long period of time was the difference between my mental health and physical health. I just kind of lobbed them all into the one bracket. And I think in this day and age, having some form of whatever it is that you do that helps your mental health. Like I can give you the five that I use. Like I reduce my screen time, you know, so I have designated times when I'm on say Instagram um, and I'm really good in the hours that I'm on, replying to DMs, etc. But outside of the times that I'm on, I'm not on it. I'm, I don't go on it over the weekend. You know, um, I prioritize my family. I've got a, um, another mental health tip that I use. I've got a day that's just me and my daughter. It's our daddy-daughter day. And that's like the day I look forward to all week. And it, like, it's just me and her. We go to the cinema. We go to the playground when they were open. And it was just me and her. So that's, I find that that connection and building on that is massive for my mental health. And it makes everything else easier. You know, the business side, the fitness side in life. So look after the things that are important to you for your mental health um, the thing after that then is you know I find some form of extreme stressor during the day like a high intensity workout um, some cold exposure you know so I train pretty close to like Salt Hill where it's beside the ocean not everybody has access to this but I'll jump in in the mornings you know for four or five minutes into the sea and that just gives me a little bit of cold exposure you can do this with you know a cold shower in the morning um, and that's so good the cold shock proteins the disconnection from the prefrontal cortex where your brain just switches off and all that anxiety just dissipates um, and then I do some sort of heat if I can so if I can get into a sauna or a hot bath at night time all of those things work so well for the mental health side and I think when you look after that on top of your physical fitness like you just feel so much better and also your recovery and everything is enhanced from all the secondary benefits of say heat cold um, you know hot bath cold showers the equivalent what you could do at home and I think looking after that prioritizing loved ones staying off social media you know have a designated time on it like that comparison syndrome is a real thing like where you're constantly comparing you know your chapter one to somebody else's chapter 20 and it's just not a healthy way to kind of live life like you didn't do that 20 years ago we you know we joked you know I'm 32 like we didn't do that 15 years ago there was no like you compared yourself with whoever was down the street from you or in a business beside you like now you can compare yourself against the top athletes or the top people or the most attractive people in the world and that's generally in my opinion not the most healthiest way to go through life so have some sort of system in place that will potentially help your mental health and the physical side tends to look after itself after that fantastic tips as ever brian it's been great to have you on the podcast today if people want to find out more about you tell us where they can find you uh, the Brian Keane podcast for sure I know we have a lot of crossover with, with listenership so uh, for those of you who aren't um, go check it out and hopefully it helps just as much as Carl's and you're, in, you're big on Instagram as well tell us where, where your Instagram uh, handles are 
yes, O'Brien underscore Keen underscore fitness. And I'm Brian Keen Fitness across all the platforms, TikTok, Facebook, Snapchat, the whole lot. Fantastic. Brian Keane, mind yourself, and we'll catch up properly soon. It's been great to have you on the show. Folks, I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Some really good tips, and it's great to get tips from other people in the industry who care about what they do. As ever, you know where we are. We're Real Health at Independent.ie, at PT on Twitter and on Instagram. And as ever, we'll see you next week for more Real Health Podcasts. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry.